Hello, and welcome to the Adoptee Voyages podcast. My name is Erica Lorenz, and I'm excited you are joining me for season three titled You, Me, and Family. Each Wednesday, various transracial adoptees share their experiences on how relationships within the family unit impact their identity. Along with hearing those stories, Throughout this season, I have the honor to dive deeper on family-related topics with my friend, Amber Davies Sloan. Her lived experience as a Korean transracial adoptee, along with her academic research, brings such an exciting perspective to this season. So find a comfy seat, settle in, and enjoy listening to these adoptees' voyages. Hello, Adoptee Voyages listeners. It's Erica. Welcome back to episode two. Um, I am here once again with Amber Davies Sloan, my co-host. You got to hear a little bit about her story in the last episode. Um, And today we get to sit down and kind of talk about the foundational concepts and how the media portrays it and our experiences with the family unit. So Amber, hello. Hello, lovely to be back. Yes, 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 yes. So listeners offline, Amber and I were talking about how we want to set this up. And honestly, we're going to pretend like we're sitting on a couch just chatting. So you just get to be on the inside hearing our thoughts and um, experiences with this. So Amber, to start, I mean, you and I were talking about like, what is this idea of the family unit. So for you, like what comes to mind when we say family? So, I mean, I think my idea of family obviously has changed over the years as probably yeah. everyone has, right? And I'm sure yours has as well. Um, you know, but growing up, it was definitely, I grew up in a middle to upper class white neighborhood. And so what the examples were of family around me were a mom and a dad and multiple children and a dog and a cat and some horses and you know everyone lived in nice houses with trees and fences and you know so it was just kind of this idealized idyllic you know family unit that that kind of permeates I think uh, or permeated mainstream you know culture yeah at least American culture so so yeah so what about you yeah I mean very similar I always imagined almost I think maybe what people claim to be like the American dream like there's this picture perfect beautiful house with a white fence and the dog Rover running around the yard (laughs) um but yeah it, it was stereotypically mom dad two kids maybe some pets but I think the big thing that stood out to me was like in commercials or pictures or movies like the kids always resembled the parents, Mm -hmm. right? And as a transracial adoptee, I do not look like my mom who is fair skin, red hair, freckles, beautiful woman. Um, But like our skin complexions were different. Our hair types are different because we are different. We're ethnically different. Mm -hmm. Um, So the family like idea was never represented of what my family looked like. So it was something I think I struggled with growing up of, well, what does it mean to be family? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's interesting. And, and I'm like trying to think about how, I mean, obviously there was not any representation in 
media, you know, that that I saw of any kind of interracial type families. And yeah. even the the families that were ethnically different from our family were, you know, still like they were all the same ethnicity. It wasn't right. like mixed race families. Right. Um, and then, you know, we did have some interaction with with other adoptees, like I was talking about in the mm. last episode. But you know, I guess when you're a kid, you don't really think I guess I, I don't know that I really thought about it much but other people noticed and then that made me think about it and yes. it's funny you say about your family because like I remember um when I was growing up I used to tell people that I looked like my dad because I got tired of mm. answering questions and my dad had dark hair mm. and you know and of course did not look anything like me but yeah. I was like oh I just take after my dad and mm-hmm. I look back at that and it's like it's kind of sad to think about that like I I felt on some level that I was so confused about my own identity, you know, that I, that I felt the need to just kind of gloss it over by saying, oh, I just look like my dad, just so people would leave me alone. Cause I remember yeah. thinking, oh, if I say that, then maybe they won't, they'll stop mm-hmm. asking questions. Yeah. You know, it is interesting. Cause I, I think I've seen studies where researchers go ahead and, and prove to the world that, you know, well, kids aren't seeing color, kids aren't seeing different. Like, why can't we love people like kids do? Cause there is a youthful innocence in how some children, not all, but some children interact either in play or building relationship or friendship. And it is typically like, oh, you're dressed like a princess. Like I'm dressed like a princess or, you know, Mm -hmm. you love soccer. I love soccer. Let's just be friends. And yet it was always kind of similar to your story. It's always the adults that would point out, oh, and who do you have with you? I think which a lot of adoptees have said in other episodes um, in other seasons is like going to make dinner reservations or going up to the counter or grocery shopping. Like anytime you're in public in line with your family. I know for me, like my older sister is East Indian and adoptee from India, younger sister's African-American, I'm Peruvian, mom's white. So like, you know, all, all different races come together. We're a family. And yet we go into a restaurant and people would be like, oh, are you bringing your internet, like international students out for an American meal? And I'm like, no, <laughs> like that is my mom. Yeah, it just, it, I think growing up, I realized so many people didn't naturally believe that like a mixed race family could be a normal standardized family unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because, yeah, I mean, and do, does that still happen to you guys when you go out all together? Is there still, I mean, I guess now it's a little bit different, but. Right. We're all adults have... now. Yeah. I think to some degree, but people probably just assume more colleagues mm-hmm. or neighbors or, you know, they, again, probably the assumption, oh, they're not necessarily a family unit, but they're just yeah. people who are getting together, which is always hard to face and it it sucks like I'll just be real it sucks that people can't always understand that Mm -hmm. I remember so I'm really tall I mean you've met me in person yeah but (laughs) I am you know Korean but I'm really tall I I shouldn't say but I should say I'm Korean and I'm really tall so Mm. I'm not like perpetuating the stereotype but um I you know grew really fast and so my parents I was taller than my parents pretty Mm. quickly and um because they're like mid low five you know 
like I think my mom's like five three and my dad's like five eight. Okay. So I hit like five eight, five ten. I'm six feet. So like you know, I yeah. hit those pretty quickly. And I remember as I got older, and because I was tall, I looked older. And so when I got into my early teens and I would do stuff with my dad, people would make mm. comments, like really inappropriate comments about like oh, wow. mail order brides and things like that with him. Cause he was a white guy with a, yeah. you know, a young Asian person with him. Yeah. And I remember the first few times that it happened and I was just really confused. And then later on I was like, that's disgusting. And, you know, so it's yeah. just, again, these, these stereotypes and these boxes that, that people put, you know, yeah. That people put people in. And I think it's really damaging to um identity formation, right? And yeah. and these these messages that we hear as we're trying to kind of figure out who we are uh, as we're growing up. And it just, you know, we're not we're not we didn't fit the norm. And so because of that, we were othered. Yep. And that I think really is hard growing up with those messages. Yeah. I mean, speaking about the messages. So one of the topics we want to talk about today is just like the media <laughs> and mm-hmm. how the media portrays birth families, adoptive families and the family unit. And I feel like we just kind of touched on like what was the quote unquote like right family unit or the more accepted norm family unit of, you know, mom, dad, kids, dog, whatever. But let's jump into like how the media portrays adoption. I I think you mentioned like these mixed signals, mixed messages that impact us on how, you know, we're forming our identity. What are your thoughts on like how the media portrays adoption and maybe like our adoptive families? So it's interesting. I just, and this is like very timely because just this past weekend, I was able to attend um, a conference in Seattle, Mm -hmm. um, AWP, which is the the Association of Writing Programs. And um, there was a whole panel of adoptees on there. And I was able to go and see this panel. And it was really cool because they were talking about how adoptee representation in the media, ironically, is a human rights issue, you know, and they, and so it kind of was broken down into like, these, and these are all writers who were all, all happened to be Korean adoptees, which was yeah. really nice for me. Um, yeah. And so they broke it down into um, film, poetry, fiction, and memoir. Mm. And it was really fascinating to listen to them talk because I, well, I mean, there are lots of things to like say about it, but it was, I think the big takeaway that I, that I saw was just that they really identified especially transracial adoptees as such a marginalized group because Mm. the media portrays us in a way that the adoptive family are the heroes, right? They're the ones that swoop in and they, they take this child that, you know, has is orphaned or, or, you know, comes from in these awful third world situations, you know, starving on the side of the street, you know, this dramatic stuff. And then, you know, swoops in and saves them and, and, you know, and, and, and therefore, again, kind of perpetuating this idea that like as adoptees were saved by these people who are typically white yeah. and, you know, it becomes this kind of like white savior thing. And then we become in this position where we're supposed to be grateful and we don't have the space to like, you know, think about or talk about or whatever our, about our identity issues or whatnot. But it was really interesting to listen to them because I really appreciated that they talked about how marginalized we are because of the way that we were represented in media. Mm. And I thought it was really interesting just again, because of this, this, the, it, uh, where it comes, so much of it is not 
from the adoptee voice. It's from the, um, you know, from the adopter voice. They, often the adoptees are objects and not subjects. Hmm. And that like really was powerful for me because if you think about like how, I mean, what I've seen in, you know, different portrayals of adoption in, you know, books or magazines or film or whatever it's really true that the adoptee is the object and not the subject and so therefore the adoptive family becomes the subject yeah what people focus on so so yeah I mean that's kind of where I am what are your thoughts on that yeah man I wish I could have heard that panel but no I mean I think that's so true I think about even just the movies that I've seen very few storylines have been the adoptee's story and like that's the center of the story. That's the focal point and the perspective we're following. I would say recently, maybe in the last decade, more film storylines, books, you name it, have come out with the adoptee's perspective because adoptees have had to push that forward. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, when I was a kid, it was all about the adoptive family. Like I, I think about any time I even tell my story, hey, I'm adopted. Yep. Single mom raised us. And I love my mom. Like, I, I hope listeners hear that. Like, I love my mom. I respect my mom. But I do think back and, and so often it becomes, wow, your mom is an amazing woman. She's a hero. I don't have the guts to do that. And it doesn't ever really acknowledge like, wow, that must have been a, not a difficult life, but like, huh, that's, that's a storyline that I have questions about or curiosity mm -hmm. about my story. It's all like praise on my mom, even to strangers to this day. So I, I think that's interesting that you bring that out. And I, I would have to say media. Yeah, we, we need to do a better job. I wanted to do more research on this before this recording. And I didn't due to lack of time, you know, lives, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Have you been following anything with the like Colin Kaepernick story? I have a little bit, and that came up too during yeah. the um, panel a little bit. Um, I've seen some headlines. I haven't had time to read it because, like you, things are just insane. Yep. In yep. life, and um, and you know, I I think that I, I I appreciate that he's from what I've seen. I appreciate that he's being so honest because. I think, you know, and, and with you, like, I love my parents very much. And, yeah. you know, we, I think with, with anyone, like we, you know, we're, we're growing, we're figuring things out. And, you know, as I move into like mid adulthood or yeah. whatever this is and, <laughs> you know, and, and just everyone's just kind of trying to, to figure out where they are and, and stuff like that. And I, I'm not, I never want people to think that like, I'm angry at them or anything like that. But I think that being honest about no matter who you are, even if you're not an adoptee, right? I think being honest about your upbringing and the things that happened in your family, yeah. good and bad, is really important. And so there's just been so much pushback on him from what I've seen for saying, yeah. you know, there was racism in my household growing up. And I, there, there's been racism in my household too. Yeah. And there's racism from other people in, um, you know, there's racism from my extended family. And from the family that I married into and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, 
and I don't think that it's intentional. I don't think people are like, oh, here's Amber, this mm-hmm. Korean person, like, let's yeah. be racist. I think it's just ignorance and and you know, so I think that's what things like this are for, you know, this podcast yeah. and you and I talking and just showing that, you know, it's it's okay to talk about it and it's okay yeah. that it exists. It's not okay that it exists really, but it's like, you know, it's it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to acknowledge that that it's happened and then you know, how can we do better? Yeah, to sit in that uncomfortableness. Yeah. And, yeah. And be Have truthful. you been reading about it much? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I wish I was reading about it more, to be quite honest. I I haven't as much as I would have liked to, but I, I did see that I think a, a Korean adoptee, transracial adoptee, who is a part of either like one of our news stations in Seattle or something, they kind of talked about her perspective on it. And so I was watching that today and that's oh, what cool. brought it fresh to my mind. And yeah, so I don't know if she's listening to this or, <laughs> or not, but... I, I thought that was interesting and, and caught my attention. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to point out too, because I like I don't I don't know, I just I, I guess I just feel compelled to say this that like that I think the family is changing. I mean we're we're not yes. particularly young anymore. Yeah. And you know, like we're you know, and so I, I just I think that, you know, now I see families as so different. And when I look around, I see different types of families. Yeah. And so you know, I don't want the listeners to think that we're just like stuck in like everyone's white and it's weird, you yeah. know, and and things like that. Um, but it definitely has has changed and shifted. And I think that that's really cool because again, yep. if you you know are you know a transracial adoptee, then you can see how that's changing. It's a little bit validating, honestly, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. And then you know, as a mom with mixed children, I think that it's it's nice for them to be able to see it too. Yeah, so. definitely. I mean, I think society as a whole is shifting the idea of, okay, what do families look like and how do they portray that in media and how do they portray that in other forms of media? And it's, it's beautiful, honestly. And I, I think the world needs more of that because it's been refreshing. Yeah. Did yeah. you have like other people in your, in your life growing up that were like you know like super close that weren't like that were family but not family do you know what I'm saying yeah 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 weird but no I get it people like my I don't know I I love wolves okay so I would always call those people like who's in my wolf pack and for my family we grew up in Colorado where my mom's like our extended family was all back here in Seattle and so it became like my mom's best friends and their families became part of our wolf pack and part of our community. It was the babysitters and the coaches we had and the teachers that really believed in us and my dance community back home that I was a company member of for, oh gosh, many, many years. Those people became family. And so I think looking back on it and reflecting as an adult, I was like, yes, when I was like very young, I had this idea of like, what I thought I wanted my family to look like, even to this day, right? But looking back, I'm like, no, no, no. I was very much introduced to the idea of family as being so much more than the blood bonds, you know, how your blood bonds you to people or just if, you know, if you share the same last name, your quote unquote family, it became who are the people that are for me and that believe in me and that build me up and that I love and respect and care for. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think family looked a little different and, 
And those groups of people, I think, all ranged from like single and independent to married um, and what I think, honestly, it'd be like American Christian traditional um, is kind of the picture I, I put it in or the box I put it in. But yeah, that was kind of my experience with, with yeah. that. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder like, and of course, like, I don't know, this is just me throwing up. Yeah. But like, I just wonder if adoptees are, you know, whether they're transracial or not. And I wonder, honestly, if it makes a difference if you're transracial, if they seek out people outside of mm. their family. And I'm sure it kind of just depends on what family, what kind of family you grow up in and what you're yeah. exposed to and stuff like that. Because I had two, my, so my parents went before I came here they asked two of their very close friends to be my godmothers. Mm. And ultimately neither of those women had children. So yeah. I became like their child. Yeah. And then we have another very close family friend who became like another mother to me. So mm. you can imagine like growing up with like basically four mother figures. Yeah. Um, and they didn't live close, but you know, when I saw, I was very close to all of them and yep. still am. Yep. Um, and so, you know, that, that is interesting too, because I remember like, you know, people would be like, Oh, you know, like, why you know who's this person and I'm like oh it's my godmother and you know and they were they always thought it was really cool that I had like this extra yep. person honestly it was really cool because they sent me lots of gifts at Christmas and so <laughs> I just got more gifts you know from, yes for my god my godmothers and this other close family friends so you know that kind of thing growing up was was cool to have but um but yeah I mean I've talked to other people and and for those and of course I had a really small family because I didn't have siblings and so yep. you know I I found myself and maybe because I had that introduction to having godmothers, I think I found myself looking outside of like, I guess the traditional, mm. like what mainstream family to look for people that could be family. If that yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So. so you bring up a good point of like looking outside of, you know, the family that we're in, which for mm -hmm. transracial adoptees is our adoptive family. And I think that's a really good segue into Okay, let's talk let's talk about it. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Birth families, birth family reunions. I think about how I think for many adoptees, I won't say all, but for many adoptees, that is a desire to know where they come from, to know the people who created them, to look somebody in the face and have their face reflected back at them. Um, I'll speak for myself. Like that was a desire for me, right? And with my birth family reunion story, it's still, still changing, still updating since season one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think about how that even storyline is portrayed to adoptees. What's said about the birth family before the reunion, what's said during the reunion, and what is said after the reunion. For you, I guess in your story, what does birth family, birth family reunion, that whole circle kind of mean to you? So I think I'm in a unique position because my mom, my adoptive mother is adopted hmm. and um, she was adopted domestically, not internationally. So she was raised not transracially. So I was raised by an adopted person. I would say that she did not address her adoption in the same way that I wanted to address my adoption if that yeah. makes sense and yeah. so I, I don't I, no one ever said I couldn't do a search but there was a lot of guilt associated with that and I think yeah. that has a lot again to do with these expectations that 
either, you know, mainstream media or stereotypes or just general expectations of, you know, American society around adoption or whatever you want to call it puts on adoptees that, you know, if you're, if you are trying to find your family of origin, then you are not being grateful for the family that you are in now. Yeah. And I don't, I really think I believed that for a long time. Yeah. So I don't think that I was openly discouraged from it. Like if you do this, we're, you know, we're done type thing. Yeah. But I think that there was kind of this underlying theme of like, you can't do this. Yeah. You know, because it's going to hurt someone's feelings or whatever. So I am not in reunion at all with any of my birth family. I have done two searches um, and found very little. You know, it's it's something that I kind of think about trying again. Uh, and I don't. And I, I'm just not in a, a mental space where I can put that much like energy into it emotionally I think just because you know where I am in my career and and having you know young children and stuff like that I think it's really important for adoptees to have that safe space if that's something they want to do because I've talked to a lot of adoptees like just in general and then through my research and stuff like that and that's a desire that a lot of people have but it's also not a desire that some people have and I think that's fine so it's it's a weird like thing where where you know it's it's like not okay if you do to some extent, but then if you don't, then that's weird too. And yeah. so, yeah, you know, I, I fully believe like just be you and just do what you want and it makes you happy. Yep. Um, but I, you know, I've heard both sides where people are like, oh, I wanted to search and I didn't feel like I could. And then other people that are like, you know, oh, I didn't want to search and everyone was like, well, what's wrong with you? Yeah. So it's just, it's, but again, I mean, you know, just like we've talked about and what you've talked about in your, you know, in, in past episodes and seasons is that it's just so complex and there's just so much to, you know, process through and unpack. And it's just, it's such an individual personal thing. Yeah. And especially with birth families. I mean, that's a whole, a whole can of worms. And I know for me, like, I think about it and I'm like, if it were to happen, like how cool would that be? But like, also, whoa, you yeah. know, like that's a lot. Oh yeah. And am I ready for that? I don't think anyone's ever ready for that, no matter what. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, you and I were just talking before recording about some new updates with my birth family reunion and, and that journey. And I think you even said that you were like, whoa, that's a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And on top of that works crazy and I'm doing this and we're busy and do, 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 yeah. do. And it just, again, adds that extra layer to our story, our journey, our day-to-day life of just processing our identity and and where we are in this big world, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like for me, I I for sure romanticized it. Like as a kid, I I was like, oh, I'm going to find this family and it's going to be magical. (laughs) And when it actually hits you and you know i i know again all stories are different sometimes this never happens sometimes it's you know one way or the other but i think the heaviness and the weight of introducing an entire another family unit history roots it it's so complex <laughs> and nobody warns you there's not like a warning sign like are you sure you're ready for this? Like, go see a therapist. Like, right. um, it's just like, oh, it'll be so cool if you find them. Like, yeah, it's cool. It's so great. They're, you know, hopefully wonderful people, but there's a lot to unpack there. And yeah. 
your life doesn't stop. Maybe it does. Maybe some people actually literally take a sabbatical from everything else to go embrace this. Right. Yeah. But for most people, it doesn't. For me, it did not. It, my mm-hmm. life just kept going, kept mm-hmm. going. And uh, that's why here we are five years later and I'm still feeling like I'm just dipping my toe into the water, you know, whether by choice or circumstance. So, yeah. yeah. I think it's hard too because you don't, there's not a lot of space literally and figuratively to process through that because you know you obviously can't I mean in general I would assume that people tell people you know about I mean for me when I was doing the searches I told like two people and then you know they would ask questions and stuff like that so it's like you're you're almost like responsible for their feelings as well as your feelings and then you have to kind of like find the space to to think about it and process through it and then other things are happening and, you know, it's just, it's so much. And then, you know, if, if some people tell a lot of people, and I imagine that's really difficult to kind of, to work through that too. I don't, it just, it just seems like a snowball effect of sorts where, yeah. you know, you can't keep it to yourself because it's so much, but at the same time, like putting it out there is also kind of scary too. Yeah. If that makes yeah. Sense. No, it makes complete sense. I'm mm-hmm. literally thinking of those scenarios yeah. that are happening in my life. And then too, you know, you've got, it's not just like, hey, you meet these people and like, here they are. I mean, there's like language barriers. There's different expect, like different cultural expectations. There's, you know, and and then the expectation of who your birth family believes you are, wants you to be. Yeah. And trying to fit into that as well. So it's, it's a lot, I imagine. Yeah. So it's definitely a journey. And I think it's, it's one I don't want to say it gets skewed in media, but like it's not told mm-hmm. and it's not addressing those high highs and low lows and the confusion mm-hmm. in between. It's just like, wouldn't, wouldn't this be magical? And I'm like, yeah. what, what does yeah. that mean? And I feel like that kind of sense of like magicalness, uniqueness, like specialty, it's kind of just sprinkled all over what adoption or how adoption is portrayed in America. It's mm-hmm. this sprinkled thing. You might have yeah. some trouble, but don't worry. We have tons of resources if you're an adoptive parent. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. so it's just, it's interesting. So definitely pressing into this season of the family unit. I mean, we're touching on all of that in various episodes of of people talking about their reunions, people talking about their desire to not have a reunion. We're talking about just like the highs and lows of your own adoptive family or the family they start building. Cause I mean, we will get to that down the road, but like we said, we're both married and I mean, you have kids. I have my fur baby, my dog who I still Mm -hmm. love. (laughs) Um, But I have a husband and a family and we're building something and putting our own roots down and how do you do that while you're still processing your own identity and, and things like that? So Amber, I, again, want to thank you. I just feel like you bring such great wisdom and perspective to this season. Oh, thank you. I love, I love being here and having these chats with you. It's, it's very validating and just lots of fun. So yes. Thank very you for much. having me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this week's episode on the Adoptee Voyages podcast. To continue supporting this resource for transracial adoptees, please consider making a financial donation at adopteevoyages.org. 
Stay connected by following Adoptee Voyages on Instagram and Facebook. And finally, join me next week for another Adoptee Voyages episode. Thank you.